Hey, I'm Ben. And I'm Evan. And welcome to Coffee Break. Welcome back to Coffee Break. Thank you all for joining us once again. Uh, This episode is going to be a little bit different in that Ben is actually not with us for this episode because he had another commitment he had to go to today. Uh, But taking his place today is Carter Jackson, who is normally uh, just our tech guy and our uh, sound mixer and everything. But for this uh, this episode, we asked him to come on because, as you all know, the Oscars are coming up very soon. And so we thought we would dedicate an episode to talking about movies and screenplays and all the different nominations. And along with Carter, we have our friend Gabe Schmidt here, who is another huge movie buff and uh, wanted to come on and make this episode. So, guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on the other side of the microphone. Of course. So what we're going to do today is we're really going to go through a lot of the different categories of nominations and talk about uh, what we've seen and um, what our predictions are and what we liked, what we didn't like. And for me, honestly, I'm embarrassed to say I have not seen a lot of the nominated movies, so I'm really going to turn most of this over to Gabe and Carter because they're much more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. Um, So I know the first category that we wanted to start with going through was uh, Best Original Screenplay, and the nominees for that are uh, The Favorite, First Reformed, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. Now, I've only seen Vice out of any of those, which I loved, um, but just going off of screenplay, I'd like, guys, go ahead with your thoughts on those. So I've seen Green Book, Roma, and Vice. Uh, I need to get around to seeing the other two. They're on my list of things I need to watch before the Oscars, but... uh... I thought that Vice had a very good screenplay, but I think Greenplay was, Green Book was probably the stronger choice for screenplay. I just, I really dug the connection between the main two characters. It was very well written, and I think that's probably what's going to win. So Yeah, I feel like the factors in deciding a winner between screenplay, uh, like those factors are the story that's actually crafted through writing it, and how well it's written as in many people will write descriptively uh for how they want their cuts to happen in the movie like i specifically want to go to this shot in the middle of a scene and then come back and they'll be very descriptive with the emotion and the look of everything but i i I feel like it also has to be a good blend of that and an actual story like how well do your characters get along and is someone actually going to be drawn into the movie Right, because story. there there's so much of a relationship between characters that can be seen just by how you're looking at them and how they're portrayed like which is just something I've noticed like like even as I've gotten older and as I've seen more movies the more you get into the story is really just how you see those characters and how you can understand their relationships and the way it goes so we can't really speak to what the script ex- itself looks like but what we see in the movie the story is what's really going to make the difference here and i think green book green book is really a safe bet so yeah me too vice was visually incredible with all of the editing that went into it and i'm curious to know how much of that was in the green room that that happened or how much of it did adam um actually write in the screenplay for cuts but definitely story-wise i like the connection between the two characters in green book a lot more sure um gabe what was the next category you wanted to go to uh, adapted screenplay Sorry, the uh, nominees for Adapted Screenplay are The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, uh, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. 
I unfortunately have not seen any of those. I'm embarrassed to say. Um, but for you guys, I'll, I'll let you go with this one. I've I've only seen A Star Is Born out of all of those. Um, and musically, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, and they, I think they adapted the story very well to it. I haven't read the book, so I, I don't know actually how it is um, comparatively. But I did really like the story of. I know that Buster Scruggs won a screenplay award at some film festival, so that probably has a good shot, but I didn't think very much of it. I think Beale Street, that was a really strong screenplay. Uh, I know it was based on a book that was, it it was a very compelling story, and I really enjoyed it, so I think that's probably going to be what springs on the Oscar. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, next one, um, I think we're going to go to visual effects. Yes, a.k.a. the one with blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. The one, um, so for visual effects, there's Avengers Infinity War, uh, Christopher Robin, First Man, Ready Player One, and Solo. And of those, um, I've only seen Infinity War, which I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, but with that one, I mean, I- I've always been a-, a very big fan of how Marvel like sets up all of their effects and everything in their movie. And just like as time goes on, they just get bigger and bigger and just more over the top and, and, and almost like crazy in a sense. But like that's that's not a bad thing at all, because when you when you're seeing all of these these superheroes and like all of them just portraying their powers in different ways and everything that they can do to further their character and the story, like just just it getting bigger and bigger just makes it that much cooler and that much more enjoyable to see. Yeah, the effects in Infinity War are incredible. I mean, when you've got the main character of Thanos, who is a completely CG character brought to life by the effects and Josh Brolin's motion capture performance, it's just an amazing feat to see. Like, you feel like he's actually there, and it's right. just an amazing sight. To Th- there, wasn't, there wasn't a moment where I felt something was fake with the performance, even though the entire character of Thanos was CGI, which is an incredible just step for filmmaking. Like with the planet of the apes movies and all of this other motion capture that we're doing, we've reached a point where it can be realistic to an audience and we're engaged and not feeling like something looks fake the whole time. I feel like a side of um, visual effects that doesn't get as recognized as compositing. So um, one of my favorite directors, David Fincher did movies like seven Zodiac. He did Mindhunter on Netflix he does a lot of visual effects. However, it's never something that would really get recognized because it's more of changing the atmosphere or the background of something. So he will always make his cities that he's filming in because most of the um, films he does are period pieces. He will make all of them accurate to that time period. So the city itself, he's completely transformed Chicago back into the 70s or something along those lines, which I feel like is underrepresented because... In visual effects, we're usually thinking about the amazing superpowers and crazy fire and space things that we're seeing that we don't think about how much work went into us never noticing that something was a visual effect, like an entire city or like a a poor example is Thor, but like they shot that entire thing on green screen and crafted in the entire world of Asgard. And that that can be something that you never think about with visual effects is that a, a visual effect being so good that you don't notice it, like you intentionally don't notice something right. because it blends that well, which like, I mean, that's just a, like a really amazing concept to think of, of just how far 
the whole craft has come and how far just cinema has come in that regard. The downside to that being that if you don't know it's a visual effect, you're not going to think very much of the visual effects. So the flashier visual effects, like in all the blockbusters, that's what people are going to remember. Mm-hmm. For sure. I liked um, Christopher Robin took a really cool twist on the characters being more like the stuffed animals that A.A. Milne based it off of for his books. However, like that's like once they had those models made, I feel like I didn't notice any other visual effects than the characters themselves, like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. Them. Yeah, it was good, but it didn't really stand out to me. So I think Infinity War is probably the best effects of the year. But unfortunately for Infinity War, it is a superhero movie, and superhero movies do not tend to do very well in this category. Only two have ever won it before, Superman and Spider-Man 2. So I think while Infinity War should win, First Man will probably bring home the award. That's interesting. I I really do hope now that Infinity War does win it because this feels like a turning point year for that with Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture. Like it feels like there's a turn and with like in the past Deadpool having come out, Logan, all of these movies that can show that there's an incredible story that can be behind something and not just really flashy things. I feel like it's about time that superhero pictures get really recognized for a lot of the work that goes into them. So next up we wanted to talk about, I think, um, you think we can combine like sound mixing and sound editing into one just so like we're not uh, going too long on time here. But um, uh, for sound editing, there's Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. And then sound mixing is Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Roma, and A Star is Born. For both of these, I think Roma is probably going to be the favorite to win because, I mean, just the mixing editing in those movie in that movie is very good. Just you got to watch it with like a full sound system to right. fully experience it. Unfor- but, oh, I'm sorry. But- Unfortunately, out of those, like I've I've only seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Out of those, which I I did love the sound mixing for, just being such a huge fan of the music in general. The one thing I would say about Bohemian Rhapsody is I wish. Um, it got more credit for the visual effects. And the reason I say that is it's, this is kind of going back to what we talked about before with visual effects, like being there, but you're purposely not even noticing them because they blend so well with everything. The final concert that's portrayed in Bohemian Rhapsody um, at uh, the live aid concert at Wembley stadium, the way, how well that's reproduced. If you've seen the original like tape of the concert is absolutely unreal because the Wembley Stadium that that takes place in has since been demolished. And how every detail of everything of something that took place in the mid-80s was so well reproduced and everything just choreographed and, and looking so spot on. I, I really wish that got a little bit more uh, attention. Um, but I, like, I'm, I'm sure the other ones, like, of course, we talked about Infinity War and how impressive everything was. But with Bohemian Rhapsody and the sound, I do wish those visual effects got a little bit more recognition. I feel like A Star is Born fits into that as well, where on the mixing side of things, where it was nominated, I I hope it gets recognized, but I I feel like it definitely won't win that award because uh, in the world of music, mixing is so integral to make something sound really full and connected as opposed to just like different instruments playing together. And what they did with just every musical moment in that movie made it feel really well produced, but not like feel like a music video inside of it which uh, it's a really difficult balance there but then as far as sound editing goes i love the sound inside of first man just all of the minuscule sounds of the pieces inside of the shuttles that they were in and all of those like i i wouldn't know if they were accurate sounds but everything felt really natural inside of it 
I didn't see Roma, though. <laughs> the sound for First Man was really good. I think uh, First Man should win sound mixing, but uh, for sound editing, I'd say A Quiet Place, because if you've seen it, a sa- the sound is such an integral part of that movie. Oh, yeah. So I thought the editing was really good there. Uh, for our next category, um, <clears throat> should we go to animated feature or live action short? Uh, animated feature. Animated feature, okay. Yeah, for time's sake, we'll go to that. And uh, for animated feature, we have uh, uh, The Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs. Um, is it Miri? Is that how you say that? Mirai or Mirai, something? yeah, yeah. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse um, is incredible. It has I to win so much. <laughs> The animation is just stunning in that. Like, the art style, it looks like a comic book come to life, and it's a feat to behold. It it really is. Like, that That and Incredibles 2 are the two that I've seen out of those category. And just, like, Incredibles 2, uh, I'm absolutely not discounting it because they they've always do such an incredible job with those animations. But really, what, what really seals the deal with Spider-Man for me is just the creativity behind it. And like, and of of course we can we all have we have the capability to do these amazing live action animations now, but for that movie to kind of in a way take a step back from that and explore this kind of comic book style and and just really go into that and and be as creative as they were was really unbelievable to see. Even without the animation, just it's an amazing movie. Like the script is really really good. I'm, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Phil Lord and Chris Miller, so I really want them to win the Oscar for this. I hope so. I will say, um, with The Incredibles, the part that really got me and made me love it was not how amazing it looked, but more of just how true it looked to itself. So it picks up right where the story leaves off in the first Incredibles movie, and I didn't feel like animation-wise it was like a major difference. We didn't feel like we were tossed into 2018 when we were watching it. I felt like I was just watching the next part of The Incredibles, which after... I don't even know how many years it had been. I think been. it was like 2004 the first one came yeah, out. Yeah, so after that many years of not having done it, I mean, voice acting wise, that's one feat, but animation wise, to be able to pick that back up and still make it something that was very visually engaging at the same time, I really enjoyed that a lot. For sure. Um, real quickly, um, if we're, I don't want to spend too much time on animated short films just to, to keep this short, um, but the one animated short film um, I think we can talk about is... Uh, it's called Bow, and it is the one that uh, was shown. I think every time Incredibles two was shown, it was um, it was played right before it. And so anybody that's seen the Incredibles two, they they know what this one is. And for me, when I was going in to see that movie, I, I of course wasn't expecting to see it. But it, it just at first, it, it did kind of take me by surprise, and I, I just had to like think about it for a little bit. But really looking back on it, I, I do think it was really beautiful and very very well done. I mean, it's a beautiful film, and. I mean, the metaphor is, like, a powerful one, but, I mean, I guess we should probably spoil it to talk about the <laughs> thing that happens. So, spoiler alert, she eats the dumpling, and that just ta- that caught me completely by surprise. Yeah. yeah. Just all the kids in my theater, just, I could hear the collective <gasps> gasp. Yeah, and the, the music stops abruptly. I think that's a hilarious part. Um, I just, uh, I, I love that short so, so much. It just it made me cry every time that I saw it, and I was trying to like hold it back. Like the the tears were forming. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it because I'm with my friends. And but every time, just tears started coming out of my eyes, and it was just it felt like a lot of Pixar moments, like with Up or a bunch of other emotional movies that they've done, like Inside Out. I it's something that just hits you right in your heart. And even though it was a silly moment, like 
later in the in the little short when she's just laying the mom's lying on her bed because her son had left and she's really sad and the son comes home like i i was i'm getting emotional thinking about it right now i just i love the story of it and then visually it was really cool as well my favorite thing was when she was making the dumplings at the start and the end of it and it was a close-up shot of the dumplings they looked really tangible the whole mm-hmm. time. Like I love the look of it too. And it, it really does speak for the filmmaker to to take something that that is a short and is so simple and to tie a story that can be so powerful into it, which is just a great feat for anyone. It's super emotional. Wish they hadn't like had her eat the dumpling because <laughs> that that was it took me out of it a little bit. But I st- I think I can speak for everyone when I say we're rooting for this one. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the other ones though. Yeah. Um, should we go to original song next? Well, for original song, it's going to be shallow. hundred percent. Yeah. I'll, I'll read the, uh, the other nominations just for the heck of it, but there's, um, all the stars, I'll fight the place where lost things go shallow, of course. And when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings and, um, shallow, of course, is from a star is born. I like, uh, all the stars, but it's going to be shallow. (laughs) Um, I don't know if there's, I, I don't know if there's even much to say about it. Uh, Shallow feels like a very uh, powerful pop song that um, it feels like something you've heard before. And that's how you know you've done something really well with songwriting where you hear it and it's, it's new, like it's completely original, but at the same time, it feels like something you've heard before, which gives a really nice feeling like warmth when I heard it, mm-hmm. like when it reaches that climactic moment, Lady Gaga's just, wailing i yeah. oh man i just went ah my seat yeah in the theater that just when that song is played that was one of my favorite moments oh yeah i'm not sure if you skipped over production design because i mean yeah i did yeah. but we can go back to that real quick if you uh, want just to. real quickly i think black panther should win but it's going to be the favorite just because period piece the oscars yeah. loves those um well keeping with the the theme of music the next one i'd like to talk about for original score um, the nominees are uh, Black Klansman, Black Panther, If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, and Mary Poppins Returns. I really love Black Panther's score. It's it's really great. Um, Kugler really knows how to work with uh, Goranson, and they just produced a score that perfectly complements the movie. But I don't think that's going to win. I was surprised First Man wasn't nominated, but uh, I think Beale Street's probably going to win. I really love that score. I think... Um with First Man, it was a really good score, but in the mixing stage of it, it was very understated, which can be really good because a lot of moments score-wise, you aren't supposed to notice the music. It's just pulling out the emotion of the scene, but at moments, it felt a little bit too little for me. Like I had to listen for the music as opposed to the music being present there. I feel like for First Man, the uh, the quieter moments were better than the grander moments, right. and that kind of hurt it for sure. in its chances here. Um, being one that I actually have not seen any of the original score nominees, I will say that I, I really do wish that, um, the Incredibles to that score got more recognition um, than it has because Michael Giacchino is just such a genius. And the, like the way he does those songs, they, at the same time, they, they fit so well in the movie, but they're songs that you, that you'd be like, I want to go back and buy this album and listen to these over just because of the way he works with the jazz feel of like all of his compositions. And he wrote like each like individual theme songs for each of the superheroes, which are just so much fun. Uh, But I, I just wish that one had gotten a little bit more recognition. Yeah. Jokino was great. Um, and I kind of wanted, uh, Beltrami for A Quiet Place to get nominated, but 
I some, some good nominees overall. If if it was my choice on who wins this, it would actually be Isle of Dogs. I I didn't mention Isle of Dogs when we were talking about uh, nominated animated uh, films. However, I I saw that in theaters last year and I absolutely adored it. Um, and I was really wary because I'm not a huge stop motion guy. Uh, just because it feels at times, if it's not done right, it can just feel choppy. And that's why I, I was afraid to go into the theater, but I went in because I wanted to see dogs and I saw it and it was really good. Um, it made me feel like cinematography wise, it was so controlled because it was completely under Wes Anderson's control of how he wanted everything to look. But then musically, everything takes place in Japan and it, I'm correct, right? Yeah. Okay. Wanted to double check. Um, and musically, they nailed it with the drums that they had throughout the entire thing. It was like a pulsing beat that was almost throughout the entire movie. Um, I don't know if it matched the tone of every scene at every moment. However, it definitely helped with the setting the entire time. Yeah, the score was good for that, but I I wasn't a huge fan of it. I thought like Wes Anderson turned his style up to 11 and it was just too much. Um, next up, we can go to, I think, film editing. Uh quickly uh makeup and hairstyling uh border oh, should yeah. win mary queen of scots will probably win because period piece and foreign language film it's gonna be roma that's <laughs> just without a doubt um if we go to um we'll go to film editing now um nominees are black klansman <clears throat> bohemian rhapsody the favorite green book and vice um i know we talked about vice earlier with just how many cuts there really were yeah. in that movie um which i personally loved i i like i just thought it it almost could bring out tension in a scene when it was just like very quickly back and forth. And, and again, like we talked about with, with characterization and like personalities of different characters and all that stuff. Or, or it completely cuts the mood of a scene. A lot of moments in Vice, the music just cuts out and like it's almost like a record scratch should have happened when the music cut out because the tone just completely changes in the middle of maybe a montage or another scene, which I think can be really silly and... As far as editing goes, like it, it makes or breaks your film once you've shot everything and you take it into the editing room. I feel like Vice relied heavily on how well it was edited, and it was stunning how much they put into it. Um, what were the other nominees? Uh, for editing, there is uh, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, and Green Book are the others. Yeah, I thought there were some really strong entries in this category, and also there was Bohemian Rhapsody. But um, <laughs> I think Vice will probably take it home. I was really torn about this one, but I thought Vice was the best, and it will probably win this one. Uh, next, uh, do you want to skip documentary short? Um, Haven't seen any of those. Okay. Um, we can talk about You want to talk documentary feature real quick? Haven't seen any of those. Moving on, we'll go to costume design. Um, we have Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins, and Mary Queen of Scots. So the interesting thing about this category is uh, the costume design for The Favorites and Mary Poppins Returns was done by the same person. That's interesting. So I think The Favorite will probably win because, again, period piece, mm -hmm. the Oscars loves those. But Black Panther, there were some incredible costumes in that. Like There were. The, the world of Wakanda felt really alive just because of all of the costume designs. Like, I mean, Black Panther's costume alone is really great to look at yeah it was it was a nice blend of cgi and actual beautiful work physically done on it um i thought the little embellishments of of purple around it were really cool <laughs> I, 
I just wish that um, in the final battle we'd get to see, you know, Black Panther a little more clearly rather than just the CGI creation, which that's why it didn't get nominated for visual effects. It didn't look very good in that final battle. No. Uh, we'll go on to cinematography next, and we have for those Cold War, The Favorite, Never Look Away, Roma, and A Star is Born. So I do not really like Roma all that much, but the cinematography is gorgeous. <laughs> I thought um, The Favorite felt very... They were going for film grain, it felt like, the entire time. In like period piece, I think a lot of people go that route, too, just to add some sort of warmth that they feel like is there. Um, I wasn't a huge fan as far as coloring went with it because a lot of moments felt flat to me, which might have been their goal. Yeah, for the favorite, um, the natural lighting was really drowning out a lot of it, and the framing was kind of awkward sometimes. So. The um, A Star is Born, I'm, I've more and more really started to enjoy films with a lot of handheld work in them as opposed to a lot of tripod moments or just like static shots. Um, even though like some films really overdo it, like I'm thinking Captain America Winter Soldier really overdid handheld moments. Really? And well, like, I think it can be very connecting like in fight scenes. But if you look at a scene with uh, Steve Rogers, uh, Falcon, and Black Widow all together, they were just talking in someone's apartment and it was handheld multicam handheld as well so they're cutting between cameras but it was still quite shaky the whole time and it took me out of the scene as opposed to being in the scene so i feel like there's a really good moment to use handheld and other moments to not use it and a star is born i think used handheld really well to make things still feel personal and not like we're shooting a film kind of thing as opposed to where winter soldier would just it it took me out of it because of all the shakiness you think uh, winter soldier was shaky uh I was watching a bit of uh, At Eternity's Gate, which we'll talk about that later in Actor, but the camera work is really shaky there. Yeah. Like, I saw a long take where the camera's just walking around, <laughs> and it's a little distracting. Yeah. Um, next up, we'll go to director, and Gabe, do you want to read these? Because I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, so for director, there's Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. Okay, I'm worried about this one. Uh Yorgos, Len- uh, Yorgos Lenthimos for The Favorite, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Adam McKay for Vice, and, okay, um, Paul Pawlowski, I, I butchered that one for sure, for Cold War, which uh, that one I haven't seen. But um, Alfonso Cuaron, I mean, he's a good director. I really liked his direction in Prisoner of Azkaban, but I didn't feel like he was really doing his best work in Roma. The takes were too long, and just the circling camera thing, it got old very quickly. So he will probably win this, though. But I was really a fan of Adam McKay's direction for Vice. That was, yeah. that was really good. It felt like the entire time Adam McKay had a very specific mission, and he executed it so well with the movie. Like, the movie draws you in throughout the first and second act. Like, you get really invested in the character of Dick Cheney and just watching him progress that you start seeing things happen and you start disliking him a little bit, sort of like anti-heroes on a lot of AMC shows. But um, by the end of the movie, you like, you are meant to not like Dick Cheney. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the way he turns that around is so well done. And he, it's very clear that he had a very specific vision with it as well. Like he spent a lot of time figuring out how exactly do I want to do this? My favorite thing with the editing is it's um, frequently cutting back to moments of Dick Cheney fishing and making analogies or 
yeah, analogies of that to a lot of moments in the film where Dick is like lowering the bait to try and get George W. Bush to give him more power, but before he says he'll be his vice president, all of those moments, I just, I loved how they all tied in. Like that felt like a director who really knew the entire movie as opposed to figuring it out one step at a time, which isn't what a director is doing, but sometimes it can feel like that. Like they they went through production and then pieced it together in editing. Adam, it felt like he had the whole thing. Under his, his fingerprints are all over it. Yeah. It's not distracting. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes the experience that much better. Yeah. Um, we can go to supporting actor now. Um, we have oh goodness, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pronounce this right, but we have um Marshala Ali oh, for Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali, sorry, uh for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott in A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell in Vice. So uh, Mahershala Ali is probably going to take this one home. Uh, I hope so. I really liked him in Moonlight, and I really liked him in Green Book. But I think Sam Elliott is the better choice here. I really liked him in A Star Is Born. Just his interaction with Bradley Cooper, um, like when I forget Bradley Cooper's character's name, but when he gets like really mad at him, and Sam Elliott reveals like how he was looking after him the whole time. Just that moment was so good, and like. Okay, this is yeah. It it feels like that's the epitome of supporting actor, where they can create a conflict or they can completely support a character, right? Um, Sam Elliott, I, I think, is a good choice because it makes the audience feel like something they've seen before. A lot of times, as a human, you can feel I'm putting a lot of work in to help someone out here, and sometimes I don't feel like I'm fully recognized for it or how much I've put on the line for someone. And there are moments where you really want to just go like all out and tell someone everything so that you get something in return. But Sam was really good there. Mahershala is killer in the green book. And I was, I was worried about Vigo carrying a film like that as well, but I thought they had really good chemistry as well. It took the both of them to make that film work. Right. And I mean, I'd be happy with Mahershala winning, but since he already won the Oscar a couple of years ago, I'd rather see Sam Elliott win because I don't think he's ever won an Oscar. Yeah. So. Um, having only seen Vice in those categories, I, I can talk a little bit about Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. And um, I I do think he played the character very well. He had the voice like pretty much spot on. Um, but I, I can definitely agree with like uh, in, in a supporting actor type of thing, it, it really is just how much of um how much they work off of like the the leading actor in a movie and really how much like you can see that relationship and while i think sam rockwell did play the character of george bush very well um the one thing i would say about vice is there if you really wanted to to drive the role of george w bush harder there could have been a a bit more of just like a, a relationship building between him and Dick Cheney, not that there wasn't any at all, but like, I definitely understand like where, what you're coming from with all the other movies on how, like you just see the relationship of supporting and, and leading actor going off of each other, like mm-hmm. for, to really drive that role home. Yeah. I felt like, um, I read some interviews, uh, that they did with Adam talking about vice. Cause I just really enjoyed that movie. And he was saying, uh, with his characterization of, a lot of characters, he, he went a more comedic route than he did a serious route with them because he, something I like with the big short and vice and those movies he's done is he does a nice balance of, um, something that's satire or, um, silly in a way, 
and something that's really serious. That way it doesn't like make an audience extremely uncomfortable in either of those directions. And he said he did go a lot more comedic route with Sam Rockwell doing an impersonation as opposed to um, like trying to emulate a character. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it feels like, and this might've been the point Adam was trying to make with it, but uh, he wants it to feel like Dick has total control of W the entire time. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's represented a lot of scenes, but now I think about it, I barely remember any scenes where both of them are together in it. So there aren't many moments where George W. Bush's character has a chance to support Dick Cheney's character. Mm -hmm. Because there's always, there's the clip of, um, uh, George W. Bush, like eating wings when they're talking about it, that, um, that you've seen in the trailer. And then there's just one clip where, uh, they're in George W.'s office. And like, that's really the only two I can think of where they're, they're, they're really one-on-one, just those two characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Rockwell is good, but again, he did win the Oscar last year, so I'd rather see Elliot win. Mm -hmm. Um, These next ones, I want to go through these somewhat quickly because I don't want to make this too long. Uh, Next, we have uh, Best Actor. uh, Nominees are Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, uh, William Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. So this one, I want Christian Bale to win, but I'm really divided on who will win because it's either going to be Christian Bale or Rami Malek. I really want Christian Bale. Even as much as I loved Bohemian Rhapsody, I think Christian Bale deserves it much more. Yeah. Um, what I think of is Rami vocal performance wise as Freddie Mercury was a blend of his voice, actual performances as Freddie Mercury and an impersonator. So it took a lot of things to make that voice as mm-hmm. far as singing be Freddie Mercury, Christian Bale went all out as far as commitment went. And Rami did a lot physically um, to appear as Freddie, but I feel like Christian went the extra mile. Because if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, if a lot of people, you of course would know Christian Bale as Batman and how his physique looked in those movies. If I'm not mistaken, all the weight he put on for Dick Cheney was 100% real. Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, I believe he, that is true. Yeah, he re- like he really did all of that. He really made himself look like like the physique of Dick Cheney, which I mean, that's that's unbelievable in itself. Yeah. That like that's commitment over anything else. But really, just like when it comes to to character and when it comes to truly the actor at work, I, I say Christian Bale deserves it one hundred percent. Rami Malek won the Screen Actors Guild Award, which is normally a good representation of who will win the Oscar, but. I just feel like Christian Bale's got a better shot, especially since most of the best actor winners, they tend to be a little bit older. So yeah. over 40, and Christian Bale is 41, I believe, and Rami Malek is 35. Yeah, and the only other person I'd mention um, that someone might consider is Bradley Cooper, which I, I wouldn't have win. I know as far as commitment goes, he put a lot into really learning how to play guitar like he didn't know how to before and put a lot into vocal lessons to play that character in the movie. But it's still, if you try and compare that with the other characters that were played there, it's, it almost pales in comparison. Uh, so next we'll go to supporting actress. And for that, we have Amy Adams and vice uh, Marina de uh, Tavira for Roma, Regina King. And if Beale street could talk Emma stone in the favorite and uh, Rachel uh, wise, I think you say that in the favorite. Um, I, I have only seen vice as I've said before. So I, I did like Amy Adams performance. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, I, it didn't, it didn't stand out to me 
um, like immensely. Um, but I, I did think she did a great job of just speaking from what I've seen. I think Regina King will probably win this one, but I really want Amy Adams to win. She needs an Oscar. And yeah. I thought this performance, I mean... I it, wish Arrival was the one that she had gotten. Yeah, for. but if it has to be this one, then it wasn't a bad performance. It was still very good. Yeah, she she put a lot into it. Um, someone I, I want to mention, I thought I was really captivated by Claire Foy playing Armstrong's wife in First Man. And she wasn't nominated. And I... First Man overall wasn't nominated for too much anyways, like, um, as we're about, or as we just mentioned, uh, Ryan wasn't, it, yeah, Ryan Gosling wasn't <laughs> nominated for, uh, his turn as Neil Armstrong, and he, I mean, it was a quieter performance, but it was still a very good one, and right. I would have liked to see him nominated. Uh, let's go to, uh, Best Actress next, and for this, oh boy, with the pronunciation on this, um, I'm so sorry, uh, Yalitza, uh, I think. Yalitza um, Aparicio for Roma. Uh, Glenn Close in The Wife. Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. And Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me? So interesting things about uh, these nominees. Uh, Yalitza, whatever her last name is, I can't remember. Uh, this is actually her first ever role in a movie. So she got wow. nominated for Best wow. Actress. <laughs> um, and Melissa McCarthy within the span of 24 hours, got nominated for Worst Actress at the Razzies and Best Actress at the Oscars. So, Which that, that still surprises me that, I mean, I'm, I'm just so used to seeing Melissa McCarthy in, in essentially the same role in a bunch of different comedies, just that same type of character. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's great for her that, that, she was, that she was able to kind of step out of that and get, and get into this amazing category. Yeah, I, I feel like this is something I tell to everyone. People that can act comedically, I'm positive, can act dramatically very well. If you can handle comedy and handle an audience like that, you can handle drama very well. Um, and that can be ex exemplified in so many people. But I feel like Melissa McCarthy has always had the the skill to do it. She just hasn't... Uh, if she ever had a choice with the movie she's doing, which I feel like she has, I don't feel like she's chosen a movie where she's really been able to showcase that. I've only seen a couple clips from Can You Ever Forgive Me? But... She plays the part well from what I've seen. It's just like, it's, for some people, maybe it's like seeing Steve Carell in a serious role or mm -hmm. someone that you, like Robin Williams or Jim Carrey in a serious role, you might go, ah, that, but that, I can only think of them as their comedy thing. Exactly. I remember when um, I first saw Stranger Than Fiction uh, in a film class and when we were introduced to saying, this is Will Ferrell in a serious role. Everybody was like, they had no idea what to expect from that. But like, I, I think Carter makes a great point there talking about like comedic actors doing drama. Like it, it, they handle it so much better than you'd think because you, you're so used to seeing Will Ferrell in the, in the, the Talladega Night Step Brothers kind of persona. Um, but to see him in a serious role, I thought was great. And it, it's, it's really interesting to see that, that type of thing. So yeah, as a as a comedic actor or an improvisational actor, you have to have a large range of emotions completely at the ready because in every scene you never know what's going to happen and what emotion you're going to have. So to have that range is really important, and I feel like Melissa showed it off well there. But yeah, I've only seen clips, but I think Olivia Coleman was really great in the favorite. Just from what I've seen, it was just so much emotion there. I was just captivated watching it, and it's like 
I got I definitely gotta check out that movie. But um I think Glenn Close is probably gonna win for this one. I watched a few clips and I mean it's a very good performance, but I don't think it's the strongest one in this category. But she's going to win. Now for the big one for best picture. The nominees are Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. I think Roma and Green Book have pretty good chances this one, but I think the winner is going to be A Star is Born. Because, one, it's it's a very good movie, but it is a safe bet for this. And I think I could see... I mean, the Oscars ballot is... Very difficult to explain in that they, if a movie has to get 50% of the Academy's votes, and if it does not get that on the first vote, then it starts taking votes from those who voted for the last place movie and giving them to other movies. So a movie could be put like third place on everyone's ballot and win Best Picture, which I could see that happening with A Star is Born. It might not be everyone's first choice, but it is a high enough choice that it could bring home the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if it was... I think the reason Black Panther is nominated wasn't entirely for the feat of the movie in its production, but I think of culturally how influential it was and important. Like, it was extremely best-selling, and it was. I think that's why it was nominated for Best Picture, which is great. But I, I do highly doubt that it would, it would win. I don't think it's going to win, but I would really want it to win. <laughs> because superhero movies, I don't, feel, I don't feel they've been taken seriously. Like The Dark Knight and Logan, those should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. The Dark Knight especially. Um, I think the year after that is when they changed the Best Picture lineup to be more than five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The, to have Black Panther win, that would sort of feel like... I mean, one, recognizing the cultural impact that it had, but also recognizing that there can be legitimate art and craft in superhero films, which I feel isn't appreciated. So, It'll be very interesting to see. Well, that uh, that wraps up all the categories we were going to talk about. I know we've gone a little over our usual time with this, um, but if you've listened this long, thank you so much for bearing with us. Uh, Carter, Gabe, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking with us about all this stuff. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, so we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, how it turns out next week. So thanks so, uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you on the next one.